0: Okay, today's reading is John chapter 6, 1 to 15. Um, I have no idea where it is in the the Bibles, but um, yeah, well, I'm sure you can work it out. (laughs) Jesus feeds the 5,000. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is, the Sea of Tiberius, And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed healing of the sick. And then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, but how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they'd all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Jesus knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself.
1: Frank, thank you very much. Uh, I closed my eyes for a minute, and I thought Frank was the guy who narrates on the sort of Christmas animated videos. It was superb. Uh, Wonderful. It's all downhill from now on, but... uh, Thank you, Frank, very much. Uh, So, my name is Alan Cutting, and I work with Samaritan's Purse, and I belong to Burlington Baptist Church, and feel the need to introduce myself every time I do something, because randomly I travel around the world, as you know, and uh, I I always hover around hoping for one of the um, welcomers' bags, that they won't recognize me, but especially the ones with chocolate in um, this week we have been hosting uh, the visits of His Grace, uh, the Archbishop of Rwanda, and His Grace, the Archbishop of Uganda, who, as Andrew said, is speaking round the corner at St. Matthew's Church this morning, uh, and then will come here. So it is possible, because their service is at 10 o'clock, that they'll all be done and dusted, and uh, so a small party of people might arrive. That will possibly change things. Um, but uh, with sincere and deep respect uh, to His Grace Archbishop Stanley, uh, let me just tell you one thing about him. He is the pastor of 13.5 million people. So will you pray for him? And uh, it's extraordinary. That's one third of Uganda is professing Anglican believers, and his charge. And he says that I am a pastor. Uh, I said I have responsibilities uh, within uh, my archbishop role, um, but my calling from God is to be a pastor. And so it's been a joy to travel with two uh, lovers of Jesus who just happen to wear purple things. Um, As we've been to Lambeth Palace and various appointments there and then up to Liverpool for a super um, public evening and then uh, down to here and then on to Cambridge, you thought the tie was for you. Um, it's for Christ College Cambridge this evening, I'm sorry. No, it's a huge honour to uh, be here, uh, with a hint of sadness, because you will be aware that um, the uh, the provincial secretary of the Anglican Church in Rwanda, uh, my very close colleague, Reverend Francis Caramera, was due to speak here today. Um, And very sadly, and at the last minute, uh, less than the UK visa people confused him with someone else and denied his visa. Um, So I'm heartbroken. I just so wanted to walk him along Felixstowe Beach or Lavenham or something like that. I work very closely with him in Rwanda and visit um, a number of times a year. Uh, But that was not to be, so thank you for your patience. I think what I'd like to do... Um, to one of the churches, Burlington Baptist Church, who are huge supporters of our Raising Families program uh, to really give an account to you um, for the minimum £6,000 a year that the church very kindly invests into this program. So if it's a little bit practical this morning, if it's like a report, I trust you will, you will bear with me. So Frank, if it really was Frank, and not someone who narrates for high class um children's animated videos, read to us from John chapter six. And the key scripture there that I want is the thing that Andrew said. Uh, well, you know, it's an impossible situation, but actually here is a boy with five small loaves and two small fish. The work that we're doing through raising programs uh, sorry, raising families program. Um, around, in several countries around the world is what we call an asset-based program. It's based on things that people have already got rather than being an aid program which gives new things to people on the assumption that they have not, they will not, they cannot therefore they need to have something externally. So I want you to bear that in mind all the way through uh, we are looking to be, as we say, asset-based. What have you got? So they looked around, 5,000 hungry people, and he felt a bit stupid about saying it, but Andrew suggested, well, <laughs> we've got five. Actually, they're rather small, loaves, and two, well, particularly small, fish. We could find other scriptures. Uh, do you remember Moses arguing with God? about the role that God wanted him to have as a leader and uh, as a liberator. And uh, God said to him at one point, what do you have in your hand? Can you see where this is going? Shall we try another one? 2 Kings chapter 4 and verse 2, that is Elisha um, with the widow who said, I've got debt, they're taking my son away. And Elisha said, what do you have in your house? Do you remember what she had? A little bit of oil, that's right. And uh, God just um, miraculously uh, just kept providing for her from what she had. Okay, you can see the trend, see where we're going with this. What did Peter say? Remember the man who asked for arms and got legs? It's a very old, it's a granddad joke. I'm past dad jokes these days. Peter said, well look, I haven't got any silver and gold, but I, what I have, I want to actually share with you. The little I have, I want it to be ours, not just mine. Same principle, okay, from what we've got. We could go on. There's a guy called Shamgar, struck 600 Philistines. What did he got? stick. Ben and I fought with the Egyptians who had swords and all sorts of things. He had, a, he had a club. So you can see what I'm saying. We're actually seeking to envision churches to say, look, do a little bit of a research. What have you already got? We've got nothing. And then you begin to talk about land, and you talk about time, and you talk about um, access to people who you know. Uh, and you talk about skills that people have got and slowly they realize God can use us we don't have to wait for something to happen or to change Uh, but within the resources that God has given us already the kingdom can come and we can see the miraculous multiplying provision of God so that's what this program is all about Uh, um, Jesus is the hero, uh, the churches that we work with are the heroes, and I, with all my heart and sincerely I just I say I am the grateful uh, facilitator and supporter of stuff that God is already doing. Isn't that a wonderful role? I've got the best job in the world. Uh, often they say of mission. Uh, what is mission? It's seeing where God is at work and joining in. so it takes some of the pressure off so we're seeking to equip churches to help communities to help themselves development not aid I probably think I've said this one here before if you just give aid to begin with it's hugely appreciated give once and the response is appreciation give twice and the response is anticipation maybe it will happen again What happens if you give three times? Maybe expectation. Oh, they'll be here again. Give four times. Why aren't they here on time? And something is hardening in the heart of the one who is receiving aid until ultimately you get to a place where they're locked into dependency. It seemed a good idea at the time. Uh, but let's keep aid to an absolute minimum, which, if you like, goes in one direction for the sake of always building in the other direction to, uh, to, to discipleship, to development, however you want to call it. Okay? So, um, we also want the church to be integral about its mission. You know, when Jesus opened the book, Luke 4, talked from Isaiah 61... Sparkle in his eye, he looked up, simple but radical, uh, quoted Isaiah and said this is what the kingdom of God is all about, it's about proclaiming, it's about preaching, it's about delivering, it's about enabling, it's about walking, it's about healing, it's about, he had an integral mission. Closed the book, with another twinkle in his eye, looked in the eyes of his audience and said today, the kingdom has come. This is fulfilled in your hearing. This is the role of the church. This purely is a a little collective mini-function of the church, what we do on a Sunday morning. Okay? I know we all believe that. But we want to be integral about it. In other words, let the holistic gospel leak through. That's the That's why God has placed this community of believers in this part of Ipswich at this time. So this program seeks to address the felt needs of the community. Physically, you could say health and wealth. You could call it practically, if you like. Can you see those? Are they big enough? Don't know what to do if you're going to say no. Come a bit closer, maybe. Ask me for this. You know, take it home with you. Spiritually, okay. So what will the pastor say? Uh, that the, the community is poor. The pastor will say spiritually. Um, society will say the community is poor um, because we have no money so is the the obvious ones. so we're getting into these relational ones now, the pastor is telling us and <laughs> absolutely right and i don't just mean you know many churches proclaim a gospel that they think well i'm just here for spiritual purposes whatever they are and uh, so uh, so so we will always uh, pr- proclaim uh, the necessity of coming to christ and Confess and, confession and um, forgiveness of sins in order to come into a relationship with Christ. So this is all about um, encouraging churches to ensure that uh, those around them um, have a relationship with God, but also um, that they have a good relationship with themselves. You know, so, 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 so we're working to alleviate poverty emotionally. In other words, those who have poor self-esteem... Uh, will always spiral into something negative, will not be comfortable with themselves, will not be clothed with shalom. So what's the role of the church to look at things in terms of emotional mission? Or socially, or relationally, if you like, we're encouraging the church to look, what is it that helps people hold their relationships together? Because if you cannot do that, you know your marriage will fall apart, uh, you'll argue with your boss ridiculously and be sacked, Um, you'll have conflict with your neighbours so let's look at things Um, what does the gospel mean socially or relationally and then what I'd call societally, we could call politically but people get a bit freaked about that what I mean is my place in society you know for me I think the ultimate definition of poverty really is powerlessness whatever my circumstances are I'm locked in them I cannot do much about them I cannot do anything about them you know, no one will listen to me. I will go to the local authority and I'll bang on the door and they'll send me away. You know, I'll go to the doctor and say, you're not signed up. You know, I'll go to the school and say, you haven't got the uniform. You know, there's nothing, all doors shut for me. Societally, I am poor. And so we're saying the role of the church is to be an enabler, to enable access for these aspects of lives. That is the gospel. And you thought it was about singing songs on a Sunday morning, eh? No, I'm being cheeky. I know, you you know, we're a church who thoroughly um, believes in these things and this is the program that we're working on. So practically, we're saying the things that we anticipate churches to see are, for the families they're working with, improved health, improved education, uh, better livelihoods or income generation, um, better shelter, better protection, right? Saying if you if you have uh if you have enough health, then you can send your children to school and they can stay awake and be educated. If they get education, more chance of livelihoods. If you've got some income, then your built state is likely um you are wanting to invest into that and improve it. And within the whole of that, we're looking at um protection, be it child protection or um the the, the protection of Um, People within society. Do you get the idea? This is a day seminar, really. But let's briefly look at it for Rwanda. Um, And uh, uh, the Archbishop of Rwanda is in Cambridge at Holy Trinity Cambridge this morning. But uh, this is the work uh, we're doing in a post-genocide country. 1994 seems a long while ago, and they've done amazingly well as a nation. Um, But we have a program that's three-year cycle that completes in a couple of months' time. Uh, Our partners are the Anglican Church of Rwanda, and we're in every diocese, 11 dioceses, and 515 churches have been mobilized and trained and equipped and encouraged for this holistic mission called Raising Families. And each of them commit to working with 20 vulnerable, the most vulnerable families in their community. Um, So that's 10,300 families. They're already working with them, and we've seen some wonderful things happen. Now specifically, and sometimes you see um, from Kyrgyzstan, uh, the she's been here a couple of times and uh, you see something we send out every six months with a few stories um, because that's the church that uh, we're, we're focused on supporting here. And uh, I was there um, two weeks ago, it wasn't quite as cold as it could have been uh, this time Um, And the programme again ends at the end of June, um, but we are already working on seeing how to do another three-year cycle beyond this um, with an agency uh, called Path to Victory, who facilitate the training and mobilising of a small number of churches, 15 churches, 450 families. But remember, this is in the land of quite serious persecution uh, where the state has always been the enemy of the church and vice versa. So it's quite something to equip people to actually find a role within society. And I so look forward to taking many of you there and keep trying in several... One or two, Jane, you've been... Who else has been to Kyrgyzstan with me? One or two others? Jane, exclusive company. There must have been more, I'm sure. But anyway, we'll... Uh, we'd still love to... I'd love to show you around for a week, one day. We do it in Swaziland. Absolute Kingdom greatly impacted by HIV, in the middle of phase three program there, with an agency called Bridge Builders, and again, big numbers, 560 churches, times 20 families, 11,200. Okay? And then in Uganda, I'll show you a little video in a minute, uh, Mark, if that could be ready. He's asleep. Sorry. So in Uganda, where His Grace, the Archbishop, um, is from, who's likely to come sometime soon, um, we 've just really we 're just one year into program there, and uh, mobilizing four hundred and eighty churches, nine thousand six hundred families. So uh, you get the idea I think our marketing guys wanted to break into that cycle at some point and did so on the basis of food and although there 's a practical ask at the end there, um, as you can hear i 'm saying this is actually all about mindset change, this is about values, this is about training. It's about some invisibles, and they're hard to raise funds for, to be perfectly honest, um, because people want to see a goat or a, you know, a piece of bread or whatever. So that's the, the focus is on food, so it can break into that cycle, but you can see from the content of there. As we said, you know, you've got some food in your stomach, you can concentrate on school and you do well at school, and you get a job and etc. so on we go. One or two statistics here. If you... Uh, I, can, we do what we call a baseline survey. When we start, to see well, what is the state of this community? Because if, every, if everyone goes to school, why are we doing a program that encourages people to go to school? So here's some of the statistics. When we started, can you see 23% of target families, um, who, uh, of, children, of the children of target families, had nutritious food at all times. At the end of that program, three years later, 69%. That's for every one to begin with, three... We're eating well all year at the end. Swaziland again. Um, this one is about perception of the church being actively involved in the community. Started off as 12%, in the end it was 68%. So there's a very practical impact they're having. Um, those whose families were safe from abuse, neglect, or exploitation rose from 23 to 62% during the life cycle of this program. So we're hugely encouraged about that. Um, 60% of children progressing well at school from a baseline of 36%. So we do proper, if you're into statistical surveys, this is an LQAS methodology, etc. <laughs> Let it glaze over if you're not interested. But it's a quantifiable, obviously quantifiable research. Just to ensure that the programs practically um, are fulfilling what we're saying they're doing. Uh, They also happen to build 77 houses. for That's often for elderly people or restoration of properties. In Rwanda, on this present programme, 63% of children were already safe from abuse, neglect, and now 95% are. Uh, Access to health services was available for 43%. uh, That's doubled over the course of the last... It's almost three years. Um, The number of families saving regularly um increased threefold from thirteen to forty one per cent and absolutely wonderfully over two thousand six hundred people have come to Christ as a direct result of the programme. Hallelujah. I I yeah wonderful isn't it? for you know I get all these statistics every month, the first of a, fifth of every month or whatever, and I'm always looking for that one. Do you know, for all the programmes we've done, every single month with the exception of one in one place, new people came to Christ. So this is not selling out to a social gospel. This is an integral mission of proclamation and demonstration working together. So thank you for your applause. (laughs) And heaven's applause is probably slightly a bit more, actually, I think. (laughs) In Kyrgyzstan so far, this is the one you're praying for. Um, Only 6% of targeted families had sufficient nutritious food at all times of the year and um, it's up to 45. You might think that's sobering, but the number of people in Kyrgyzstan who live on bread and tea over winter is extraordinary. So, actually, for every one that ate properly, you can see now nine are eating properly. Um, ten to... You know, a six-fold increase in those who have adequate dry and safe shelter, um, a six-fold increase in those who have access to health services... 126 members of the persecuted, in that persecuted land, in these tiny churches have come to Christ as at the end of last month. Oh, have I got time? Are they going on a bit? A little bit of a story. Let's try it. Um, this is uh, about, I guess it's 10, 10 days ago I was there. Um, and this is, I'll call him Pastor B because we protect, you know, their identities. Um, uh, that's why we ask you not to put stuff on, on the internet because, you know, they're in a vulnerable position. Uh, we met the pastor in his church, handful of people who meet in the cottage that they rent as a meeting place. Behind the church there's a tiny dairy farm, this is it. They also rent three hectares to grow hay which with two harvests a year can feed five to six cattle we heard yet more stories of what God is doing with them. Forty-five families in all have received a total of 1,720 litres of milk from us, he said. Uh, we give milk to 20 families. Now, giving milk is shorthand around here for a much more thorough program of support. Uh, milk merely primes the pump. It gives them an open door. It enables them to be seen as those who care for their community. Um, and it opens doors for them. Um, and then they go into more difficult you know, circumstances. Uh, and bringing tangible hope. Many people have heard the gospel talk about us because of our work. Pastor B and his family, as with most of the action group members in this part of Kyrgyzstan, are actually on the local authority poor persons list themselves. But his family recently took in a family made homeless after the husband came out of prison. They were only with us a few weeks, but during that time we watched God doing great things with them Now they have employment, he's now a shepherd, a home which is an annex to the sheep farm and they are saved and serving God. We also housed a man who would run around the town in bare feet. Now the demons have left him and he's slowly being transformed. And one of the women sat there, and of course, you know, this is cross-legged on the floor with spread of food in front and sort of yurt-type environment, which I find myself in very regularly. One of the women sat with the team. She only came to offer some goodwill help serving guests on Christmas Day, but that day she was saved. And that night she had a dream where she was laying on hands on a child who uh, was healed. He said, thank you for all the trainings you've given us. I used to think God was only spiritual, but now I see the whole gospel. We act as advocates giving a form of surety for the provision of vulnerable families, children education, and their father's employment. We say to the teachers and employers, if they do wrong, blame us. Persecution? (laughs) We've got it, he says with a knowing smile, but nothing really serious. All my neighbours know me. We have good relationships. We've seen 32 new believers because of our work in the last two years. In the previous two years, 15 to 20 came to Christ, so by doing things differently, that is by serving the community, we've seen twice as many people saved. So just a little example there of hundreds of stories I could give. I think we'll leave all this, and uh, just a huge thank you to yourselves and to Tunbridge Baptist Church. Maybe some of you were here, and um, Nick Cole was here representing Samaritan's Purse, but member of... Tunbridge Baptist Church who are also like um, ourselves here um, donors, they've actually managed to send a team to Kyrgyzstan so they're one up on us so we'll catch up with them so there's all sorts of things I could say about it Um, we are at the moment planning with the existing partners in Rwanda and Kyrgyzstan towards future um, phases of raising families which is not inevitable so please be very grateful if you'd pray for that and uh, yeah, okay one last thing I want to uh, say is, why should it just be churches in other parts of the country, of the world, that dedicate themselves to a relationship with Jesus Christ, to one another, and to their society, in lives laid down. As you heard, that the pastor said, of the family, he's now got a job, he's got a home, he's come to Christ and do you remember the last one? And he's serving God. So it's almost like they're saying what's the point of coming to Christ? What's the point of coming to church? Unless actually I've got a life that's laid down for the service of Jesus Christ. And we find that in so many different manifestations, sometimes it's collective, sometimes it's even individual, you know, I'm gallivanting off from out of my church to do various things around the world. But it's actually all about him. It's all about laying our lives down for the sake of the community around us, that the kingdom might come. So I'm talking about churches, that guy's church I just talked about. He's. Well, some of those believers he talked about are secret believers, so they're not really in a position to declare their faith in Christ, otherwise they get seriously persecuted. Maybe only 30 people you know, in his congregation. They're committed to the well-being of 20 families over three years. I think it's fabulous. I think if our church, you know, any one church in the UK committed to three-year program of laying their lives down for a holistic gospel for the sake of 20 vulnerable families and seeing those sorts of percentages, hey, we'd rejoice, wouldn't we? Let's do it then. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you so much for the can we call them heroes? Because Jesus, we, we really see you as the only hero. But we, we're immensely impressed by these churches. And Father, we would ask that that same spirit of devotion to Jesus Christ, that same leaning on the power of the Holy Spirit, that determination to roll up their sleeves and work hard for the practical nature of the gospel. Uh, might be a spirit that we're clothed with as well, Uh, that we might see these sorts of numbers of people getting saved in our own nation and through our own churches. Please help us, Lord, fill us with the Holy Spirit again.